Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Well, welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jay Croucher. Fellas, let me correct that. The award-winning. That's right. Fantasy football happy hour. The award-winning. We need. It. Can we get the graphics changed? Can we? You know? Can we? Can we a update trophy that? Next like, to it. I, no. Yeah. Just put like you know like exactly like a lot of people like. What is the award for? Is it for the you know very tasty riblets where you're eating good in the neighborhood? It is not. Applebee's has been award-winning for many many years, but this is our first year of winning the award. So this is. This bad boy is uh, Best Audio Content Enterprise. And what that means is all the big boys. So all the big companies, like, I don't know, ESPN, for example, <laughs> all for those it. big companies that we competed against, because we're NBC Sports, of course, and it says presented to NBC Sports Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, Best Audio Content from the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, the FSGA Awards, and why this is meaningful to the three of us and everyone that works on Fantasy Football Happy Hour is that this is a voted on by our peers. It's not a popularity contest. It's not who has the most Twitter followers that can drive people to vote. It's about everyone that is in the fantasy and sports betting industry. There's probably like 500 companies in this organization. Each company gets one vote. And so the fact that basically our peers voted for us as best audio content, as basically best podcast, uh, is honestly a tremendous honor. And candidly, given my performance this past year, a massive shock. <laughs> yeah. massive An underdog shock. story that we've never <laughs> seen. Like Geno Smith winning Comeback Player yeah. of the Year. Reminiscent of Shakespeare and Love winning the uh, Oscar over Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was oh, the man. line prior to the award given out of us when going home with well, this? Well, yeah, it was, it was longer than the prop of you mentioning riblets in the first uh, 90 <laughs> right. seconds That's of the show. Yeah, right? Right? We were yeah. like plus 900 or yeah. something um, uh, to win the award. But... Um, we're thrilled to win that. Thank you to the FSGA. Thank you to everyone that supported us all year long. And uh, we have a couple of rewards for you guys. Number one is, is that we won the award. So that's, a, that's amazing. Here's the other thing that's great, Jay Croucher. Yes, ma'am. Some news since the last time we've been here. Mm-hmm. Connor J. Rogers, now a full-time member of NBC Sports. Thank you. Thank Welcome you. to the show Thank full you. time. Because we won the award. We won if the we award. didn't, I actually would not be here yeah. anymore. That no. was the now, rules. Listen, me and Matthew did everything in our power to not get you off the yes. contract, but they don't yes. listen to us. So congratulations. Thank it's you so much for overcoming both my, enemy, my frenemies <laughs> yes. on the desk. No. A thousand percent. Thank you, guys. Uh, we're thrilled to have you, honestly. You've been a great addition to, to the show. And uh, 
it was, uh, I think, a no-brainer decision, certainly for uh, Jay and myself and everyone on the show, but I know from NBC Sports on high, I know you're going to do a lot of stuff with Jaff coverage, with Sims, with our yep. Big Ten coverage. I know we've got uh, big plans for you. I'm really happy to be here. I, I can't thank you guys enough, obviously, for being so welcoming, being a part of this show. And it's just it's going to be a lot of fun because we get to continue to do this. Right. Now. So maybe exactly. win another award. Right. And by the way, I do want to sneak in, very on brand, Neither of us were present when this was given Correct. out. Correct. I just want to make sure the, yeah. the public oh. knows that neither of us went up to get the award. Well, <laughs> I mentioned, I was talking to you guys before the show, like Friday morning, the, the awards came out Friday, uh, Friday afternoon. I had to immediately leave Friday morning to go visit my kids in Florida. Jay was betting somewhere. At a kiosk. I was literally at a BetMGM chaos betting on the Ravens to win the AFC title. Right. 16 to 1. There you go. So, of course, Lawrence Jackson, our friend at Lord Don't Lose, went up to accept the award. So, uh, there you go. There's Lawrence. Denny Carter as well also, I think, um, grabbed the award as well. So, basically, yeah. Denny Carter got a lot of run at that conference. Too much much for my liking. Um, (laughs) But that's okay. Yeah, a lot of photos of Denny Carter. A lot of photos of Denny Carter. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Lawrence and Denny, for accepting on our behalf. I uh, hope you gave a heartfelt speech. Uh, thank you to everyone at the FSGA that voted for us. Congratulations, Connor. Welcome thank to the team so full time. Thank you. Let's talk some football. Yes, let's do it. And there's a lot going on. Uh, we got big news yesterday, obviously, with big news at the top of the week with the Saints and Derek Carr agreeing to a four-year, $150 million deal. Guys, we know how these contracts go. It's not actually a true four-year, $150 million deal. Uh, Mike Florio has explained that it's essentially a three-year, $100 million deal. It could be as short as a two-year, $70 million. Who cares, right? Let's get into the actual aspect of what Derek Carr brings to the Saints offense that had a breakout player in his rookie season like Chris Lave and obviously somebody like Alvin Kamara as well. I think to me what it brings is stability. I, like, do I think Derek Carr is great? No. But do I think he's an upgrade over Andy Dalton? I do. I know there's been some people saying, like, ah, it's just, a, you know, it's the same guy. I disagree. I think Derek Carr is a cut above. I think if you were sort of ranking the quarterbacks, forgetting fantasy for a second, if you're just ranking the quarterbacks from a pure skill standpoint, right, you've got the, the Mahomes and the Josh Allens and the Joe Burrows. You've got the elites of the elites, right? And then I think there's like kind of a, a, a middle tier. Like I think he's, and I say this with no like I think he's like Kirk Cousins. I think he's Daniel Jones. Like I yeah. think he is a, a solid above average quarterback that if you surround him with the right pieces, you can win with. For our purposes in fantasy football, I think this is good news for uh, Chris Olave, to your point. Top 25 wide receiver last year in terms of total fantasy points. You think about Derek Carr over the last two years, he's been top five in the NFL in terms of both deep ball rate and deep completions. So this is somebody that is fairly accurate when he throws it deep. We know Olave loves to sprint down the field. Um, they got some nice run from Rashid Shahid down the stretch as well. And anything, anything they can do to stretch the field to open up stuff underneath for Alvin Kamara, for Jawan Johnson, if he comes back, yeah. we're going to find out uh, what happens with Jawan Johnson as well. But I think this brings stability to a franchise that has some playmakers and is in a division that's easily winnable. Yeah, and I think it, you made the point that I think Derek Carr is one of the most stable, kind of predictable quarterbacks in the league, where he's going to be between like the 11th and 19th best quarterback in the NFL. So the question becomes, for the Saints, are they in a spot with the rest of their roster where that makes you a playoff favorite, a fringy contender? And I think they probably are, because the defense is so good. I also think it's the right time to go in for someone like Derek Carr, when the rest of the division is just a complete disaster. And now the Saints are the clear favorites in the division. And then if you're the favorites in the division, and you're going to get a home playoff game, then any can happen. I'm with you, right? When you look at it, it seems like the Bucks really might roll forward with Kyle Trask. We know the Panthers right. are going to be active in this draft, we believe. They were also another suitor for Derek Carr, active in this draft to get a rookie quarterback. 
The Falcons are a little bit in no man's land. Maybe they like Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Maybe they take guy in the top 10. I mean, Derek Carr gives you a floor that should win you this division if you're the Saints. Connor, can we just quickly talk about Kyle Trask? Because this is going to be a real thing. And what's Trask? How good is he? I mean, I don't think there's much of a ceiling there, right? You're going to need to surround him with a lot of talent. Unfortunately, they have it. Godwin's there. Evans is there. They need to do a lot of work on that offensive line. That's my biggest question when you're trying to develop a young quarterback in Trask. But they used the second-round pick on him. When you draft a quarterback in the second round, they were saying, this is our guy that's going to take over after Tom Brady, and they're going to give him that chance. Yeah, you know, and I mean, by the way... You know, somebody who saw SEC defenses throughout his college career. Yeah. Like, he's not somebody that, like, you know, put up big numbers in the big sky or something like that. Like, who knows? Like, I mean, you know, like, so I, there's a little bit of hopefully some, some to, your, to your point, he's got a lot of talent around him. I, they want to bring in a veteran that, we, you know, we're, we're going to talk later in the show with my combine column that's, that's up on rotoworld.com, NBCSportsEdge.com right now uh, about sort of rumors that I heard. But one of them that we probably won't get too far into is that they want to bring in a veteran to compete with Trask. Drew, uh, Drew Locke was a name that I heard. Um, like, you know, could you see, you know, there's, I think there's some other guys like that, you know, not like a, you know, like, could you see Taylor Heineke there? Like, there'll be some, they'll, but I think this is, barring something uh, kind of crazy, I think this is Kyle Trask's job to lose. Yeah. Last, last thing on Derek Carr as well, the NFC is wide open. The favorite in the NFC right now in BetMGM are the 49ers. We've got no idea who their quarterback is. And if it's Trey Lance, we've got no idea if he's actually any good. And they're the favorite in the NFC. So, I mean, it's not, it's not unrealistic to me to think that the Saints could, if a few things break right, be in the NFC title game. And that's a good point. It's I, gonna, yeah, I, go I agree. I was just going to say, like, you just sort of think about it, right? So the Eagles are going to lose a ton of guys yep. on defense and free agency. Like, I mean, like, you know, as good as their offense is and as good as my writer die Jalen Hurts is, the fact of the matter is, is the defense was so important at Philadelphia this year, and they're going to lose a lot and of guys. Staff. Huh? They lost their staff. Right, exactly. So that, it's going to see, you know, how do, they, how do they reload? There's certainly questions around Dallas um, and, you know, rumors that, you know, Dalton Schultz won't be back with the team, and we'll see what they, you know, and we'll see what happens with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. We should mention, by the way, that we are taping this show on Franchise Tag Day. So there may be news. You may be like, well, what, you know, just so you know, like, we're taping this at noon on a Tuesday. Of course, it's five o'clock somewhere. So there may, you know, as breaking news comes to the show, we'll talk about it, but there's a chance that uh, players will be franchise tagged or not um, after we are done taping. But right, the Giants, were they a little bit of a mirage? My commanders, who knows? Like, and then you start, the Packers probably going to be without Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, like you sort of go through all the teams and you're like, I love every one of them has warts. I love you've thrown the commanders into the NFC title discussion. Just kind of slip them in. You know who the fourth favorite is right now in the NFC? It's the Detroit Lions. I bet it. And that's yeah, fair. It. I like the yeah, Lions. I, that's I like them. But the fourth favorite in the AFC is like the Baltimore Ravens, who are, they're probably going to be better than the Detroit Lions. Like, and you've got, yeah. obviously, Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow just anchoring that conference. The NFC is completely wide open, and, and it, could, it seemed like the Lions, the Saints, could absolutely make a run. So the trickle effect of this move for the Saints as a whole. Are you saying whole, the commander shouldn't be in the NFC, NFC title? <laughs> so I don't think they should be in the first we sentence. Get a, we, like, get a, we get a new owner. You count on all bets are off. You get a new you, team? A new players? A new, have you ever been at a party? Have you ever been at a party where there's like one annoying guy? Don't look at me. Has there ever been? Have you ever been at a party? It's not one that I've been at, but a different party where you've been at there. There's been like one annoying guy. I mean, kind of and, and, right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. And then as soon as that person leaves, there's like this huge sigh of relief. Like, ah, oh, I thought that guy would never leave. Like, and just like tension all. Defla- Again, stop looking at me. Are you talking about I, Dan Snyder or Carson Wentz? That's what I'm talking about. Either or. Yeah, that's no, true. I'm talking about Dan Snyder. I believe. I believe there's such a black cloud over that organization and franchise because of the ownership and because of all the issues that I think that once 
that sale happens, and my expectation is that it will, that then, yeah, rainbows, <laughs> flowers spring up, you know, like it's, you, you have no idea, leprechauns are playing in the fields, like you have no idea, it's going to be a whole thing, like, you know, fairies are sprinkling dust all over the, uh, all over the equipment, it's, it's going to be uh, Nirvana, yeah, well, it's going to be Atlantis. I think, unless the new owner of the team is Lamar Jackson, he's going to own and play quarterback, I think you probably Which is on the table, it's on the table, we'll get there, yeah. we will right. get there. One quick trickle effect move of this is, as expected, Jameis Winston's going to be released, I mean, you have to wonder, is Jameis days as a projected starter long over, going to go somewhere, try to rebuild that value? I don't understand why he didn't play last year. I don't either. It was very odd. That they were very coy about the back injury and what was going on there. I do not think, you know, you can tell me from a talent perspective, but I, I do not think Jameis Winston's days as a starter in the NFL are over, especially when you look at the landscape of who some of the starting quarterbacks are out there. Jameis Winston would have been a better starting quarterback than I – mean, you can't tell me he's better. He's he's not better than Desmond Ritter. He'd just be the like, best quarterback on Connor's team, the right? Jets. On, the, on, the, on the Jets, I mean, like he'd have been the best quarterback on the Panthers last year. Like yeah. I, I, a lot of teams. I, I mean, right? Exactly. I'm we just, don't know if the Dolphins are going to have one with the situation with Tua. You could just go across the board and look. This team could need a quarterback. This team, on and on it goes. So right, yeah, I you just, should get that chance. I mean, it's like, where? I mean, you know? again, like I don't think this would happen, but like. Is he worse than Jarrett Stidham for the Raiders? I don't think so. I mean, I, I know the Raiders so. are in the Rodgers mix, and there's talk about they might trade for Mac Jones. But, like, if you were the Raiders, like, wouldn't you rather have Jameis Winston than Jarrett Stidham unless they believe they can develop into something? I don't – anyway. He'll have a market at he the will, end of the day. He, and last thing there on Winston, just to, to talk about that, like, because uh, you mentioned this as well. The Niners, and I don't think we, we're going to get into this, but in essence, the Niners basically came out, and, and John Lynch said this, they need a veteran. They don't know the timetable for both Trey Lance and Brock Purdy's return from injury. So they're going to need, whether it's a camp arm or something, they're going to need a veteran in there just in case those guys aren't ready for the regular season. Jameis is one of those guys that could make sense for them as well. Baker Mayfield, another guy. Like, they need a um, – because they're going to move on from Garoppolo. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it makes a lot of sense. They're not going to roll Jimmy Garoppolo again. But, but no, I they're think done. That's done. That's they're done. done. That's yeah. not going to happen. That's done. Another quarterback at the top of the market, but a little bit different situation. He's not a free agent, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. And as we sit here today, the report is Aaron Rodgers spoke to the Jets on Monday, which to do so, the the Jets would have to have the Packers' permission because Aaron Rodgers is under contract with them. As we've sat here to record this morning, I know Dan Graziano has said that they will speak today. So this is going to be an interesting situation to follow with the Jets, who waited on Rodgers and let the car sweepstakes play out in front of them. Yeah, I... It's risky business. Do you, you want Aaron Rodgers? You want? That's what you're all in for? You want Absolutely. The experience? Yeah, I guess he is that good. I mean, you're in the there's AFC. No, there's, there's no real alternative now. What's the alternative? Jimmy Garoppolo is the alternative, right? That's not an alternative. No, it's an alternative. It's just not a great one, but it is yeah. one. <laughs> there's a short list of teams that you can say this phrase about and mean it be legitimately. This team is a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender, and I would argue the Jets are one of those teams. The defense is legitimate. The offense, other than quarterback, is legitimate. They have real playmakers. They need to upgrade the offensive line. They need to make sure the offensive line is. But it's somebody like Aaron Rodgers, who is a veteran quarterback, who's comfortable out of the gun, who gets the ball out quickly, who can read a defense really, really well. Like, Rodgers makes a ton of sense. Now, it's a short-term solution, obviously. Um, you know, and they'll make there'll be all the the Brett Favre jokes as well in terms of you know following the you know Packers legend going to um, uh, going to New York. But uh, look, there's a lot of tea leaves there that make sense. One of the things that I put into my column 
uh, that was a rumor I heard. And again, this is not me reporting news. This is a rumor that I heard. Like, all my rumors are just sort of late night at bars, just people, you know, um, you know, BSing. But what I will say is, is that the rumor I heard was that Woody Johnson, especially the owner of the New York Jets, wants Aaron Rodgers, wants people in the seats. What, what's going to get him the headlines and people talking about the Jets and, and sell at that stadium? And, like, you know, 12 is, is one of those guys that does that, that generates headlines, that puts butts in the seats. Um, uh, Joe Namath has come out and said he's willing to give up number 12 of the Jets if Aaron Rodgers were to come there. Uh, and the other thing that I'll say is obviously the Nathaniel Hackett piece, right? That there's, you know, um, it is well known that Hackett and Rodgers enjoyed a very good relationship in New York. I'm sorry, in Green Bay. Hackett's now the offense coordinator of the Jets. Like there's a lot of pieces here that make sense. Two things. One, it would just be so perfect if the Jets, they did the Brett Favre thing. Now they're going to do the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is a lot better than Brett Favre was going into that season. And then secondly, I'm going to give this a bit more thought, but I think if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers... I think that makes them the second-best team in the NFL behind the Chiefs, right? With that defense, with Rodgers, with Wilson, Hall, Elijah Moore has got so much talent. Would they, like, would they be the favorites in the AFC East over the Bills? I think so. We're going to see what the Bills really do. interesting with, see where those lines yeah, go. With, like, the Bills have got a lot of moving pieces in yes, terms of their roster. Of free but I think that they're, they're on that same pegging, I think, with the Bills and the Bengals. Maybe they're not clearly above those teams, but I think they're right there. And uh, which is kind of scary to think about. It's crazy. Uh, they've got just the, t- the defense is legitimate. It's just it's a championship level defense, as Robert Salas said and pushed towards the end of the season. And all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers, who is one year removed from winning back to back MVPs, uh, and I think towards the end of the year started to show a bit more Aaron Rodgersness after a slow start. And he's dealing with the injury. I think that yeah, they'd Still be right in- there I mean, again. Like again, like he had he had rookies out there. He had and and by the way, inconsistent. Like he didn't even. It wasn't even like okay. You're, you're going to have um, uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard all season long. Like, Watson missed a bunch of games at the beginning of the year. Dobbs was banged oh, yeah. up. Like, I mean, like, Lazard missed some time. Like, he, in addition to, like, having a whole new receiving core, he didn't even have the same receiving core week after week after week. I agree. I mean, I think, look, uh, if I was a member of the New York media like Connor J. Rogers is, <laughs> I would be salivating at the thought of a year of Aaron Rodgers press conferences. You like, have to be. It's I a mean, dream like, scenario. Exactly. In New York. For I mean, all just, the right and wrong reasons. I mean, it's it going to be unbelievable. Dream. But Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest all time quarterbacks ever to play the sport. I mean, like, you know, like, you, you can't. I, I could, you know, you can't name five quarterbacks that are better than him all time. No. And he's. I mean, this is that's the best spot for him. It gives him the best chance to win a championship. If he goes to these other teams, what's he going to go? Is he really going to go to Vegas? Is Vegas going to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers with that defense? No. And him and Josh McDaniels is an odd match, in my opinion. I think that would be kind of... They might be the worst team know. in the division. Yeah. Even with Rodgers. I think it just it makes a lot of sense. And the fact that Hackett's there, um, I, I think, probably gives him you know some comfort in terms of sort of a familiar face and, and uh, knowing what they'll knowing what they'll run. And so, uh, you know, listen, the other piece of news that sort of has come out around this is just that, quote, unquote, Green Bay is done with Rodgers. Very interesting. You know, that they are just, whether whether they're annoyed with, like, all the Willie, won't Lee, I'm going into darkness for four days, all that BS, or or if it's just like, you know, they they took a, a good hard look at their roster and saying, like, listen, we got to start tearing this down. We got we got to see what we have in Jordan Love, which is, by the way, one of the reasons why you know Favre went to the Jets is because Rodgers sat behind Favre for years, and they Flat were just circle. basically ultimately said, like, look, we got to see what we have in Aaron Rodgers, which ultimately proved to be the very right move for the Packers. 
All right. We will, we will see on that one. If that one goes through, obviously, we'll get into deeper but discussions. what I would ask everyone is to pay attention because this will be an undercover story. <laughs> this won't be a lot. Yeah, yeah, uh, there won't be a lot of talk about this. Twitter so search just, it. Just Twitter search it. Like, set up a Google alert because there'll be, like, every once in a while, like, a little piece of news that squeaks out about it. Like, notifications on. Notifications on. ESPN probably will put something, you know, on their ticker maybe. Maybe. I don't maybe know. ESPN, ESPN 2, I would think. Maybe I'm on thinking E2. the main channel. Um, news? But, yeah, yeah, probably on news. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes sense. But, um, Connor's, Connor's giddy about this Rogers situation. Look at him. Can Do you understand the quarterbacks I've so watched play for the last how many years? You know, like Mike White? Mike White had a moment. Oh, yeah. He got, you know, three games before his ribs exploded. <laughs> Here's a, just as long as we're speculating. Just as long as we're speculating here. Let's pretend Aaron Rodgers comes to New York. What happens to Zach Wilson in that moment? They'll, I think they'll keep him because of that relationship. I really do. They'll, they'll, I think that's the only scenario where you can hold on to Zach Wilson and say, maybe there's a prayer we can that, get something out of this. That, that he, he sits behind Rodgers for two years, learns something, maybe Rodgers takes him under his wing or something yeah. like that. They have the relationship that you can do that, where if you went out and got Carr, you can't do that. You went right. out and get you know, a Tannehill, it would be a little weird. So, yeah, that's... I agree with you because what it does is it does two things. Number one is it takes pressure off Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers starting, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> but it also, like, like well, it, it no longer becomes a pre- question at a press conference. Nobody's, right? no one's, no nobody's one's saying, talking like, to Zach you, Wilson. No one's, yeah, yeah why, why aren't you starting Zach Wilson? Like, if you bring back Mike White or whoever, like, then that, that becomes a question. But if you've got Aaron Rodgers, there's no questions. And also, I think it salvages Zach Wilson's ego a little bit. Just, like, you know, is, because if he got – Last year, you're like, you got beat up by Mike White. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, but now, if you're like, okay, he's going to sit for two years, and there might be a redemption story there. And Rodgers is his guy. Like, that's his game. Like, that's who he always looked to. So, like, it's like, okay, I can sit behind him. So, yeah. All right. You're all over it. All right. Good. Zach Something Wilson. to root for. Yeah. There we go. 2025 sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there we go. Zach Wilson. What okay. are the odds on comeback, 2025 comeback player of the year? Have they well, set that line a, that's yet? That's a fair comeback. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. Speaking of written-off quarterbacks, Geno Smith gets yes. the biggest payday comeback of his of career. Year. Great for Geno. Seahawks and Geno agree to a contract extension. It's a three-year, $75 million deal. I mean, that's what Florio explains it as. I know the ticker headline will not say that. But when you really crunch into the numbers, this is essentially a two-year, $50 million deal. Could be as short as one year if Seattle uh, wants to move on after this year. So, that's pretty important to me here because Seattle picks fifth in this draft. This is Geno's team this year, we think, but I wouldn't entirely rule out that it's Geno's team for the long term with where Seattle stands. No, I mean, I talked to a lot of, a lot of people at the combine about Seattle and their thinking, and they are doing a deep dive on all the quarterbacks, right? And so it was explained to me like, hey, you know, and again, this is a week ago, but as it was explained to me like, hey, it's not a done deal that Geno's coming back. Like, there's a chance that we go with a rookie at five and bring back Drew Locke and just, like, have a veteran arm in camp and, like, and, and compete. There's also a chance that we could, um, that we could resign, you know, doesn't mean we're out at a quarterback at five, to your point. Like, hey, do you, like, what, to me what this says is, is that the Seahawks might be on an Anthony Richardson. Right, I, I mean, Anthony too. Richardson yep. is somebody who, if, if you've been sleeping in a rock, like, just, you know, absolutely blew the doors off the roof so to speak, uh, old phrase from my 0601 days, you know, um, at the combine, just, you know, wowed from all these physical attributes, right, in terms of, like, in terms of his size, in terms of his speed, in terms of his athleticism. Most scouts think he is still a bit of a project as a quarterback, but in terms of, like, the potential, it's off the charts. He could be a truly game-changing quarterback if he puts it all together, and there's certainly a chance that he could. And so do you say, you know what, 
We're going to take Richardson at five. He'll sit behind Gino for a year, yeah. even two if we need to, because um, we've got a guy that we know can can get us where we need to go, and then we could develop somebody like Richardson who could be truly like a game-changing quarterback. Absolutely. I think that's the perfect landing spot for Richardson in that scenario. I think it's a plan that Seattle could sell. And then I think ultimately as well, if you're Seattle, you're going to be too good. You're not going to be picking up in that range. Geno led this offense last year. The defense will get right. They will figure that side out. They can run the ball. They have two really good wide receivers. Maybe they get a third in this draft. So you have to think of it like, okay, we like Geno. But we only have this opportunity this year because we're not going to be picking in the top ten again. And this is a four-quarterback class. You don't say that every year. Last year, Kenny right. Pickett went in the first round. That was it. So yeah. I, I'm with you all the Late way. Late in the first round. Yeah. And, and yeah, didn't, didn't start out of camp. Like, it was a very down quarterback year last right. year. And, in fact, John Schneider, I went to his press conference, general manager of the Seahawks, and he talked about the fact that he's like, it's a weird spot for us. He's For years and years and years, we've never picked yeah. in the, you know, the top 15 of the draft. You know, we've never picked in that top 12. So it's a weird position for us to be in. And I agree with you. Like, you know, they, they exceeded expectations last year now that they have Geno back. Um, but I also think that they don't believe Geno's the long-term answer because – Look, if you look at the numbers, like Gino had a really nice year last year, but he tailed off towards the end. Yep. And did the league catch up with him a little bit? And now they'll have a whole offseason to sort of look through uh, Gino tape. And, you know, Gino's also on the – look, again, he hasn't played a ton of games, but he's on the wrong side of 30. Obviously, quarterbacks last a long time, and uh, he hasn't got a lot of wear and tear in terms of actual playing time. But that fifth round that, – that fifth overall pick, as you see there, and the, we expect some movement there, but, you know – the, the Texans and Colts, there's two teams ahead of them at the moment that need a quarterback in the Texans and the Colts. We don't expect the Bears or the Cardinals to draft a quarterback. Now, the Bears obviously may trade down, but it might be just a two. You know, there's, exactly. there's talk that the Texans might move into that one spot. Yeah, the wild card is I've heard the Cardinals are also exploring trading out of that selection as well. So you yeah. just wondered, is this a weird draft where we go quarterback, 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 quarterback? It could happen. Yeah, it certainly could. Like, you wouldn't be shocked if the, if the Panthers trade into the top five, if all. the Falcons trade into the top five. I wouldn't put nothing past my commanders. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, 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 uh, they say Sam Howell's QB1, but, you know. We'll see. But they, also, but they also say, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. Gino's a weird one because I think you probably project him to be the same level of quarterback as, like, a Derek Carr or a Daniel Jones next year. But the path that he takes to get there. Like, those guys are pretty just steady. They're pretty steady. Gino is so up and down, up and down. He makes the best throws in the league, and then he just throws mind-numbing interceptions. And last season, the first five weeks of the season, he was an MVP candidate. Yeah. Like, he was a top-five quarterback in the NFL, then really kind of tailed off towards the end. So you don't know really what's real there. But I think the fact that it is relatively short-term, and yes, he is on the wrong side of 30, but I mean, he's 32. He's two years yeah. younger than Russell yeah. Wilson. So right. uh, I think that, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. But, yeah, you wouldn't expect that they're super tied to him as the guy for a Fan- long time. Fantasy-wise, I think you're happy about Geno Smith being back. Like, yes. you know, again, this is, a, this is a guy who had 17 or more fantasy points in 11 of 17 games last year, 12 different games with multiple touchdown passes that tied for the most among quarterbacks as well. He's a top 10 fantasy quarterback on a points-per-game basis, finished his QB5 in terms of total points. And to the extent that we care about Kenneth Walker and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and we do, 
we know that this offense is going to have a level of consistency and a level of efficiency with Geno Smith under center that will keep their fantasy value afloat. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are going to be good next yeah. year as well. Again, because, I mean, they were a playoff team this year with a winning record, uh, and they've got a lot of cap space. They've got this draft capital that will help the defense get better in particular. Like, on BetMGM, they're, they're plus 500 to win the NFC West, and the Rams are plus 250. Like, I would flip that around. I think the Seahawks uh, have higher upside than the Rams that, next season. That's shocking to me. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are better, and they will I, be better. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't, who's playing quarterback way, for the Rams? I, I, I was just going to say, say, I think that every I, team I think, in that division. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Rams, like as we talk about teams that don't know what they're doing at quarterback, I would argue the Rams are. I know Matthew Stafford went on, a, on his wife's podcast and shot down retirement rumors, but I will tell you that at the Combine, I talked with somebody that, I'll just say this, somebody that was at practice every day last year, at Rams practice every day last year, and that person said to me, Stafford could barely throw last year. And again, like who knows? Maybe you know. Maybe he feels better in off season and, and, and health and everything like that. But there's also a chance that he comes to August and he's just like, you know, it's over. It happens. Right. And yeah. if I'm and I've said this before, if I'm Matthew Stafford again, I'm not. And I understand wanting to compete every day. But if I'm Matthew Stafford, I'm like, you're richer than all get out. You have a Super Bowl ring. You are um, you are famous. You have young children. You have the you have a great life ahead of you. Whatever you want to do, you want to be a broadcaster. You want to be in football. You want to be a coach. Like Matthew Stafford can do whatever. You want to just sit on an island. You know, I mean, again, like he's he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, go enjoy your life, dude. Like, yeah. stop getting. You know, like that offensive line is going to be bad. They don't have a lot of draft capital or even cap room to no. to make a lot of maneuvering. It's they're releasing be, everyone. They're going to have. To, they're going to have to. So it's like yeah. it's going to. Do you really want to get your ass kicked in a rebuilding year? Like. Dude, you're Matthew Stafford. You're like you're a borderline Hall of Famer. Like, you know, take your Super Bowl ring, take your money, kiss your wife, hug your kids, and go love your life. I mean, like, you know what I mean? I like Matthew Stafford. I'm a Matthew Stafford fan. I'm just like, as somebody who, like, likes that guy and roots for him, I'm just sort of like... Yeah, Stafford has a Super Bowl ring, though. Matthew Berry's adamant he didn't play well in that Super Bowl. Uh, so maybe he wants to come back and prove Matthew Berry wrong and actually play well in a Super Bowl. <laughs> Matthew Berry. By the way, you know who else didn't play well in a Super Bowl and has a Super Bowl ring? It's Peyton Manning. The yeah. second, the second Super Bowl that was entirely that was yeah. entirely the Denver defense, yeah. did, did, like right? Does anyone sit here and go like, oh, Peyton's got one ring and then one with an asterisk? No, yeah. he's got a ring. Stafford played well in the Super Bowl. <laughs> he threw the two picks, but we always make oh, our way back to the down minute. the field. He, he threw. Two, he had one great drive. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But can you? That's have, fine. That, that's insane. <laughs> like he played great in that Super Bowl. I mean, he had two picks, but. He had two picks. Yeah, one of them was pretty bad as well. I mean, like, honestly, in all seriousness, by the way, without a without a ticky tack pass interference call, the Bengals win that Super Bowl. The Matthew, Wilson he had call. one of the greatest throws in NFL history: the no look pass, the cup on the game winning Super Bowl drive. He was yes. twenty six of forty, two eighty three yards, three touchdowns, two picks, took two sacks, ninety passer rating. That's fine. It's fine. It wasn't a bad performance. I'm going to really die on this. It's hill. amazing we we do make it back to this argument. I'd say like once every two months. I think. <laughs> will, you, will you will you rule on this? Do, do you think? Is Mahomes any good in the? All anyone cares Eagles? about is the game-winning drive. At 100. Yeah. Like, so that's. Listen, I'm not saying I'm not saying he was a disaster, it, but I'm just saying did Matthew Stafford win that Super Bowl for? Uh, did Matthew Stafford win that Super Bowl for the Rams, or was it the defensive line? I would argue it was the defensive line. I would argue the defense won that. I would argue Cooper Cup. How about both? I mean, listen, it was a team effort. It was all of those things. It was a team effort. But there are definitely Super Bowls where there are quarterbacks. There's definitely like some Tom Brady Super Bowls where it's just like, Tom, guys, everyone on my effing back, we're winning this thing. Okay. And I would argue that was not what Matthew Stafford did in that Super Bowl. Brady did throw a pick six against Atlanta, right? 
Yeah. I think, well, look, I think Safford was a 7 out of 10. He was a 7 out of 10 in the Super Bowl. You're a 7 out rating. of 10 in the Super Bowl. That's fine. That's a good. Good for your uh, legacy. Uh, has the, the throw, has his moment. I think I, I would argue a 6, but we're <laughs> splitting hairs. The point is he wasn't a 9, he wasn't a 10. That's true. On the yeah. biggest stage... Whatever. It's he's got yeah. a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. I'm sitting. Don't make me. Def, don't make me anti Stafford. I'm, I'm pro Stafford. I'm a big I like Stafford. Stafford. Yeah. I he has like to come Matthew back now to prove he doesn't have a, a Mickey Mouse it's ring. That's what it comes down to now. Come back. That's, you know what? Come come back and then uh, whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know. Talk to Mar like, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good transition. Like, Mar Jackson like our, doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. I would like our producers to just realize that because normally I'm the guy. But I just want to make a note of this here to all the production staff of Fantasy Football Happy Hour. That was Jay Croucher and Jay Croucher alone <laughs> that took us way off the rails and completely derailed this segment. Yeah, I just want everyone to be aware of that because it definitely was not me and it certainly wasn't new NBC employee Connor Rogers. No, me never. It was, it was Jay Croucher. I'm here just Croucher. to drive the car. It's Jay Croucher. Yeah, fantastic. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we said earlier in the show... We are recording on Franchise Tag Deadline Day. Yeah. So we are a couple hours out from that. Let's start with the biggest one, the obvious one. The Ravens will tag Lamar Jackson if they can't agree on an extension. It sounds like they are not even close. We've heard Eric DaCosta went down to South Florida. That didn't really get anything done. I don't think the question here, guys, is are they getting a deal done? I think it's what tag is Lamar Jackson getting, and if it's that non-exclusive tag, where does this thing go? Yeah, I mean, I've been operating under the assumption the entire time that he's, he's going to be back in Baltimore and playing next season. It's just a matter of the mechanic and whether a contract gets signed, which it probably won't. But did you hear anything in Indianapolis? Matthew, is there a chance that Lamar Jackson is on a different team next year? There is. So I, I've heard a bunch of different stuff. There's a t- lot, of, lot of smoke around uh, Lamar Jackson. But I'll start with this. And, you know, our friend and colleague Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk put this out there which is that he thinks, and I've seen a lot of other people echo this, this line of thinking, that one of the challenges has been is that they can't get a deal done. You know, that Lamar is representing himself. Lamar does not have a, a certified NFL agent that rep- represents him. So as a result, because of the way, um, and this is much more, you know, Florio's lane than mine, but as I understand it, in essence, that means they have to deal with Lamar directly. They can't talk to a friend. You know, they have to, you either, when you're negotiating, you have to to talk directly to the player or to a certified NFL agent, and he doesn't currently have one. So they have struggled between what Lamar wants. They've struggled to get a deal done. They've struggled to get a deal done and even come up with a framework of a deal. You know, at the the basis of it, Lamar wants, he wants a Deshaun Watson deal. I want six years guaranteed. I want a quarter of a billion dollars, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm younger than I'm younger than Watson. I've won an MVP. You get the argument. To which Baltimore's thing is, is like, yo, 
Like, I get Watson's deal is an outlier because Cleveland was super desperate, but no other quarterback in the league has a fully guaranteed contract. Not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen, who was drafted in the same class as you. You know, no one has a fully guaranteed contract. We can't do that. That would cripple the franchise. So they're, they're at an impasse, if you will. So I think the thinking is, is that by putting a non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, what they do is they sort of pump the decision. They basically, okay, say Lamar, now you can go negotiate with any other team. Let some other team do the heavy lifting in terms of negotiating the terms of a deal. And once Lamar agrees to terms with another deal, the Ravens will have uh, two choices. They can either match that. Great. Here's, here's, we've figured out a framework of a deal that Lamar has agreed to, and all we have to do is say, you bet, we'll do that too. Or they get two first-round picks. So it makes a lot of sense. It's also, by the way, as I understand it, the the average salary for a non-exclusive franchise tag quarterback is in the, I want to say, $35 million range. It's about $32.6 million. Right, whereas exclusive is $45 million. Yeah, it's a so j- it saves, jarring it, Right, right. So it's like $12 million they save. So there's that. Um, I've also, so we'll see where that is. The other thing is, is that I've, I've heard that, I heard from one source, again, and you hear a bunch of different things, who knows, but I hear from one source. I'm not reporting this as news, but this is gossip, just that, you know what, the, that the Ravens are kind of like a little bit fed up with Lamar. Like, they've been trying to get a deal done for two years, they can't get a deal done. He has missed a lot of time over the last two years. And, you know, one source said to me, like, I don't think a sign and trade is out of the question. Again, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't think that's the likeliest scenario. I think that there's maybe a 5% chance of that, 10%, 2%. It's low, but it's not a, it's not a non-zero chance yep. is how it was phrased to me. Is there any precedent for a quarterback as good and young as Lamar changing teams? Like, I just don't think it just doesn't really happen. And I think if you were to go into next season, you'd have Mahomes as the number one guy, and then it's probably Allen and Burrow, and then I would say Lamar might be fourth, like with Hurts and, and in that range. And the fact that that guy is that young – unanimous MVP in 2019, was playing at a borderline MVP level this year until he kind of faded a little bit uh, and then gets hurt. But, uh, yeah, I think, obviously, we can't lose sight of how, how old is Lamar? Guys. 26, I believe. I yeah, could I be like I'm a year off. i trying to think if there's anyone... The first that... name that came to my mind was like Jay Cutler, but he's not nearly the same class. Yeah. No, not, not, not anywhere close. I mean, Russ is 32, Yeah. right? I mean, obviously, his, 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 his play tailed off significantly last year, but at the time... At the time he was traded, no one was like, no one thought that, you know, everyone still thought of him as one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And so, you know, that, he's the closest to me, I feel it like. It doesn't you know, really happen, which makes it, it so some unique. And it's, it's because of, I mean, largely it has to be because of the, the no agent situation and the Sean Watson has just screwed all of this up. Yeah. The fact that, and I think that yeah. other, other big deals get done with other quarterbacks and more sane and less like Watson's, then maybe that will help trigger something with Lamar, but. It's a, it's a mess. I mean, Watson's actually probably the, the closest comp in terms of, like, Watson's also 25, 26. Yes, yes. You know, but played obviously. It, played it, right, there's obviously extenuating circumstances yeah. as to why he left Houston. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other, like, Donovan big name. Uh, you know, do, huh? <laughs> Donovan McNabb? You know. Yeah, that, was, that was a tough, uh, oh. long list of failed oh. quarterbacks in Washington, and uh, number five is one of them. Kirk Cousins is another kind of name in that list, I guess. He's yeah, someone. Like, good. Yeah, good, not great, you know. <laughs> but, like, but he'd be the – he, he's been the best quarterback. He's the last good quarterback Washington's ever had. Yeah. 
But this is just in a different tier, right? And, and the yeah. unique part is is that he doesn't have an agent, and we've heard rumblings of the NFLPA actually pushing him to draw a hard line in the sand and get what he wants. There, there is somebody from the NFLPA that I think is advising him, but yes, they can't, they are allowed they to do that. Right, they are allowed to do that, but they can't physically negotiate a trade, uh, a deal for him. Yep. So when it comes down to that, Lamar's dug in, and apparently the Ravens have offered a pretty high guaranteed number, one of the better guaranteed numbers, but he's dug in on the Watson deal. Yeah. And that's why it's gotten nowhere. I think and the, the crazy thing is is that if they just bring Lamar back, they can absolutely win the Super Bowl next year. That team played Cincinnati so tough in the yeah. playoffs without Lamar yes. Jackson. And then you look at what Cincinnati did the following two weeks against the Bills, destroying them and then taking the Chiefs to the absolute limit. Like, Lamar comes back to that team. They've got a lot of cap space as well. And like, they're relatively first for a contender. They'll get a receiver. They'll get a receiver this right. offseason. Yeah. They yeah. have to. And then all of a sudden, they're just absolutely stacked. Yeah. Could they get a Hopkins? They have Lamar Jackson. Like, that changes everything. Yep. Hopkins, I've, he- I've heard they're in on Alan Lazard. Um, there you go. You know, uh, that was a phrase that was thrown around. My nipples are hard for yes. Alan Lazard. It's the open of the article. Yep, that was the open of the article. And, uh, and I was like, well, whose terrifying. nipples are hard for Alan Lazard? And the Ravens were one of the teams that I've heard have hard nipples <laughs> for uh, Alan Lazard. Yeah. So does Connor Rogers. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, That's all just because right. he works out. <laughs> yeah. Does work. Bounce both. Yeah. yeah. Moving on to another quarterback related to the franchise tag deadline. That would be Daniel but Jones. I, I suppose we should talk. The, there's no fantasy impact of Lamar. I mean, because we just don't know we until don't know. where he, land, where he yeah. lands. But it will, wherever he lands, whether it's back with Baltimore or another team, it will change the NFL landscape in a significant manner. Yep. So this one really does have a fantasy impact because if the Giants and Daniel Jones cannot come to an agreement, which they've been trying, they've apparently been working through the night. The Gi- his agents have come into town and they haven't gotten it done yet. Then they have to tag Daniel Jones. And the fantasy impact is Saquon Barkley gets to enter the open market. Right. And that can have a Saquon ripple effect. That can have a Giants offense ripple effect. And I don't think it's different from Lamar where nobody's offer sheeting, we don't think, Daniel Jones and trading two first-rounders. But this is a scenario that has a huge impact on the Giants and fantasy in general. Everything I heard at the Combine, though, is that they're working towards a deal, that they're getting close, that they, you know, I mean, Daniel Jones' team threw out a crazy number. The Giants are like, whoa, 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 whoa. And now they're, they're coming closer to closer. I think it's still going to be, but by the way, you know, Derek Carr getting the number he did, Geno Smith getting the number he did, Daniel Jones is, you know, what, um, is younger yep. and has had as 25 much. 25 years old. He's Right. 25 years old with as much, if not more, success than, than Carr and, uh, and, and Geno Smith. So, I mean, he's going to be north of 30 easily. Like, yeah. this could be a $35 million a year deal, could be even – Bigger than that. Well, so. I don't think he's had as much success as Carr, but he's got more upside than Carr the rest of the way because of his age. You think They're Daniel probably. Jones had more success than Derek Carr? Derek Carr's been around for a while. I know, but Derek Carr's won one playoff <laughs> game. Has he? Has he even? I don't think Derek Carr's won a well, playoff game. Well, he had the he had the, the what the twelve and four season, but he got hurt right at the yeah. end, uh, the year that um, Khalil Mack won Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, Carr's been he's been. He's been around a while. He's compiled a lot of statistically, stats. He's more, he's more yes. proven so, statistically. Of course, statistically, yeah. there's no question about it. But, I mean, like, whatever. Daniel Jones, with, with the right coach, led his team to a playoff game. Yeah. You know, and, and a playoff win, by the way. Derek Carr lost to the Bengals in the first round. Now, listen, inadvertent whistle. I think the Raiders got screwed in that game. <laughs> but that's a rant for another day. The fact is, is that Daniel Jones has a playoff win. And off the top of my head, I don't believe Derek Carr does. No. Was sort of my thought process yeah, there. that's fair. And Daniel Jones, that, that game against Minnesota, that's probably better than anything Derek Carr has done in a, in a high leverage game, in a playoff game, certainly. Whether Carr is better, whether Daniel Jones is better, the fact is, is that, you know, it's close. It's close. Daniel Jones is also five years younger. Yep. No, he's definitely the better 
kind of projecting forward, he should be the better quarterback. I wonder if the car deal getting done set a floor for this deal. When yeah. the agents look at it and go, the framework where it's two years of guaranteed money, if Jones comes back down to earth a little bit, we can get out of the deal. But the upside is if he keeps developing, we're actually getting value. So I'd be curious to see where this number comes in at if it gets done. But Let's, I know that's what they want to do is they want to franchise. In, in an ideal world, they get deals done with both Barkley and Jones. But worst case, get a long-term deal with Jones done and franchise tag Barkley. You tag the running back. That's the play. That's the, the that's, number's at 10.1 mil. Right. It's like whatever. Who cares? Which is what, yep. Josh Jacob, what the Raiders did yes. with Josh Jacobs. Yep. Yep. And I would not want to be in the business of giving Saquon a long-term deal. No, I agree. Yep. No. I actually think he comes back to New York regardless. Like, even if he has to test free agency, I don't think he's going to get – I don't think anyone's going to pay massive money for Saquon Barkley. You never know, I suppose. But it feels weird to think that a team would pay significantly more money – to Saquon than the Giants would be willing to. And you're in New York, you know, you're building something there. He's the face of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, and he's obviously got so much history there. He, he, he did tail off at the end of the season after starting incredibly well. And he just, I mean, he had a great season overall, but certainly wouldn't be banking on that every single year. So two running backs did get the franchise tag already placed on them. You said Josh Jacobs, no surprise there. After they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, he ultimately gets the franchise tag. Funny how it works out. And the Cowboys franchise tag Tony Pollard, which could have an interesting trickle effect on Zeke. And now maybe the Cowboys out of the whole B. John Robinson discussion with the draft. Um, this is the best way, honestly, if you, don't want, if you want to avoid that long-term guarantee to a running back because of all the risk that comes at the position. I just have to read this tweet. The guy I follow on uh, Twitter, his name's... Uh uh, Jeff Crisco, and he's like a fantasy writer. Um, anyway, but he just tweeted, the Raiders turning down the fifth year, then franchise tagging Josh Jacobs after running Derek Carr out of town with no backup plan, all after leveraging their future to get Devontae Adams, tells you exactly what you need to know. Which I thought, that's, you know, <laughs> it's, one way of putting it's a good it. point. Yep, I mean, yep. Like, you know, spot the lie. Like, I mean, like. He's going to run into maze. I mean, yeah. it is a little, it is a little crazy. I, you know, there is a new regime, you know, but still, like, I mean, it, it is a good point. They turned down the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs, but then turned around and had to franchise tag him. They did run Derek Carr out of town. They don't have, at least as far as we know, a plan beyond Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. No. You know, they did, you know, pay through the nose to get Devontae Adams there. It's, it does seem like a, a franchise without a direction. Yes, and the Jacobs thing is, makes total sense. Jacobs is the best running back in football, yeah. I think, along with McCaffrey, one of them, yeah. depending uh, how you value those two guys as we look at the tweet from uh, Matthew's man, Jeff Crisco. Uh, I think that, yeah, with Jacobs, I mean, he's going to be, what, top three fantasy pick? Top four yeah. fantasy pick uh, going into the next season? Same circumstances. We'll see what happens with the quarterback. But, I mean, as unknown as Stidham is... I'm not sure that whoever they put out is going to be a lot worse than Derek Carr was yeah. last year. Stidham actually did not look terrible the last two games. You know, he lit I mean, up like the 49ers. 40, he lit up the 49ers, 100%. And then, of course, you have Tony Pollard yeah. here, who also gets the franchise tag. It would have been pretty hard for the Cowboys to just let him get to free agency. But how much money can you allocate to your running backs? Now, Pollard's at a high cap hit, and we know Zeke makes a lot of money as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think Zeke is either going to get released or have to restructure his deal to come back to the Cowboys. He's, he's been public about the fact that he's open to restructuring his contract as well. I think they – my guess is that gets done. But if Ezekiel Elliott were to leave, Tony Pollard – you could make an argument that Tony Pollard's the number three running back in fantasy, right? You know, that sure. – right, you know, I mean, like yeah. – you know, after after McCaffrey and like Eckler, yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, right there you with could, Jacobs, right? Yep. 
Right, and if somebody combo. took and if somebody took Pollard number one overall, given the injury concerns on on McCaffrey, and if you were worried that Eckler's touchdowns might come back a little bit with Kellen Moore now calling the plays in uh, in in LA, like I wouldn't if Ezekiel Elliott's not there and somebody drafted Tony Pollard number one overall, I wouldn't be like, what are you doing? Yeah, like would, it's not where I would rank him, but I think. That's not a crazy thing to do. I would like argue he's that, that good. Particularly with the way that McCaffrey is utilized in the San Francisco offense, the fact that they bring in other guys as well to spell McCaffrey, I would say that Pollard probably has the highest ceiling of any running back in fantasy if Zeke isn't there. Yeah. If Zeke isn't there, that's the big if. So we'll wait to see what happens. But my feeling is is that he will. Yeah. Like, he, Jerry loves him. Dallas loves him. Because he's willing to be like, yeah, I already made. Just want to be here. You know, yeah. right? I've, he's made whatever, 90 million, 100, whatever crazy number he's made already. Based on that contract, you could see them getting something done. One last franchise tag, and it was put on Evan Ingram, uh, $11.35 million to stay with the Jaguars. I think this is the best-case scenario fantasy-wise for Evan Ingram. When you look at his utilization under Doug Peterson, staying with Trevor Lawrence, we saw a comfort level with Evan Ingram last year that was real breakout and great to see. By the way, good for Evan Ingram. He took a one-year prove-it deal. Yeah. He proved Less it. than this number. Right. Yeah. He, you know, he proved it. He gets franchise tag, which I don't think he was wanting. He was hoping yeah, the franchise tag. About it. Right. The <laughs> franchise tag number is lower for tight ends in a lot of cases. But I agree, this is good news for Trevor Lawrence. It's good news for the fantasy value of Evan Ingram, who finished his tight end seven last year on a points per game basis, top five overall. He stayed healthy all year, which is great. And then you think about which leads us to the next thing here, Connor, but you think about this this Jaguars offense in year two under Doug, yeah. Doug Peterson, another year removed from the Urban Meyer disaster. Trevor Lawrence now with Christian Kirk, now with Zay Jones, Evan Ingram back, and they just get Calvin Ridley reinstated. Mm. Tra- Travis Etienne, a year removed from his injury as well. Like, the Jaguars' offense is going to be fun, and you got to feel like they're the favorites in the South. They're minus 150. Wow. I bet MGM yeah. to win the AFC South. They're just kind of crazy because it's the Jags, but at the same time, like, how can you really argue with that? They have so much more talent than every team in that division. They are set on offense as skill positions. They may retool the offensive line a little bit, but now they're just rebuilding that defense, and this is a really, really good team. So that number doesn't surprise me. My expectation is in, in free agency and in the draft, they will go fairly heavy on defense, which makes a ton of sense. I agree with you. Maybe fortify the offensive line yep. uh, a, a little bit as well. But, you know, that offense was really good last year. I think second year in the system, it'll be even better. And then you add Calvin Ridley, whatever they get from Calvin Ridley, which, you know, wide range of outcomes there for Ridley. It's been a long time since we've seen him um, in a game. I believe October of 2021 was the last time he played. But, you know, still 28 years old, still a guy that, you know, when he was playing was one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. As you see the numbers there on your screen for Calvin Ridley, you know, he was, you know, he was, he was awesome. Yeah, and Trevor Lawrence as well uh, has as much upside as anyone, basically. And, you like, it would not be shocking to see Trevor Lawrence. He'd be top three in MVP. That wouldn't surprise me at all. He's, he's going to be third year. He's a generational prospect. Led his team to the playoffs already. Connor, one for you. The Indianapolis Colts came into last season like minus 120 to win the AFC South. And they obviously have a disaster season. Now they're plus 700. Is there any quarterback they could draft that makes them relevant again? Because the defense yeah. is really solid. Uh, they'll get Jonathan Taylor back. Michael Pittman's still there. The offensive line should be better. Is there any quarterback who can help them this year? There's two. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. They're ready to roll. I, I don't have worries about them adjusting to the NFL level, and that division does not scare me. So I, if you're going to play those odds, do it now, because the Colts are moving up from four in this draft, yep. I would think. Whether that's three, whether that's one, 
We could see the Bears do a trade where they go to two and then to four. The Colts are going up in this draft to get a quarterback, and I think it's one of those two players. There's a chance it's one of those two players where they're ready to roll this year. Yep. So it's a great point. I think if I'm the Colts, I want – and this – I listen, I know this goes against conventional wisdom. Give me Stroud over Bryce Young. Give me C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. I am telling you, again, uh, I, I've stood next to Bryce Young. <laughs> I've stood next to Bryce Young. I'm bigger than Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. I, and, like, it's I get scary. it. It's he's, scary. I, I get it. He is fast. He is accurate. But he's not he's that got, fast. I will say right, that. That's the thing. Like, he's not, yeah. like, RG3 fast. You no. know what I mean? No, no, like, no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. And, like, like guys that are that and, – and, like, people are like, well, what about Kyler Murray? And I'm like, okay, but, like, Kyler Murray's thick. You know what I mean? Like, yes, Kyler Murray is short for an NFL quarterback, but he's also, like, thick. He's also faster than Bryce Young. I mean, Kyler Murray's yes. got, got a gear that just Bryce Young does not have. And, like, get it. He's probably going to be awesome, and he was awesome at Alabama. And I met him, and, like, I thought he was the nicest kid. Like, he's a great kid. So I'm not trying to, like, you know, but I'm just – the NFL's a physical game, and I'm just, yep. again, I'm six foot, 200 pounds, um, and – you know, listen, a lot of dad bod going on here, but I am I am six foot two hundred pounds and I'm telling you, I stood next to him and I am bigger than him. Well yeah, he came two oh four, right? Well he came <laughs> in at five ten and an eighth, I think. So. He came in at five ten and eighth, but like two oh four, so he yeah. bulked up or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. pretty had a big fake cut, way. You know, He's had, had a, he didn't play at two oh four, I'll say that. Yeah. Great player. We just don't know how that's sustainable because of the the frame. Well, it's minus one ninety to go number one overall. I, I'm sure game. he will. I'm sure he will. And like, I, I hope the kid has a great NFL career, and I hope he's awesome. I'm just, I just, I would, if I was CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud, I like it. Give me CJ Stroud. Building a condo. Let's stay in that division because the report came out from Mike Silver uh, with the Titans that they are shopping Derrick Henry. The Titans, we've kind of played this game with them. Will they? Won't they? Tear down. We've heard now Bud Dupree, a couple of cuts here and there. This takes it to another level. If you're talking about trading Derrick Henry, this is a totally different level. Well, what it does is it completely changes their offense. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the challenge the Titans have is that Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in the NFL, but unfortunately he doesn't give you a ton in the passing game. And so the way that you have to run an offense that's centered on Derrick Henry is he needs the ball 25 times yeah. a game. And if your offensive line is banged up, if they're getting beaten in the trenches, if it's just if game script is going negatively your way, you're sort of stuck because you have to just keep running. Like, he just – he's not – He's incredibly talented, but he's not super versatile. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I know there was concern coming into last year about, well, you know, coming off of the injury, he's had so much crazy usage. Can he still be a fantasy factor? And the answer is, like, yes. He was a top five fantasy uh, running back. He was fourth in both total points and points per game. He actually had 33 receptions, so he wasn't a zero in the passing game. But, yeah, I mean, it was just – He's one-dimensional. It's an awesome dimension, but it's he's one-dimensional, really. Yeah, I didn't believe in Henry at all coming into this season just based on the workload and the history of guys who have that workload. Like, guys just don't do what Derrick yeah. Henry has done in terms of the amount of carries, the amount of wear on his body. In fact, he's coming off a broken foot. And the fact that he was able to do what he did, I mean, he wasn't that efficient, 4.4 yards per carry, but they also had no threat in the passing game, and he was their offense. But, I mean, take out the Texans games, where, which he does every year yes. with 200 yards yeah. and two touchdowns. Texans merchant. He didn't finish the season that strong. He had a really good stretch uh, in the middle. So 
I would probably be wanting to get out of the Derrick Henry business um, because he is, he's going to turn 30 next year as well and the track record for running backs at that age. At the same time, on Radio Row, I walked past Derrick Henry and he is built like a human being I've never seen in my life. Yeah. So maybe yeah. the again, rules of science again, just don't apply. Again, just as we talk about, and I, I've said this before, but we, you know, we talk about you know, Bryce Young, whatever. Again, I'm six foot, 200 pounds. I felt tiny next to Derrick Henry. I've stood next to him as well. I took He's a picture with him. Ridiculous. He's a massive it's human being. It is one of those things where you're just like, how do you and I have the same DNA yes. on some level? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you and I the same species? Because it yes. doesn't feel like we should be. And um, so he's, I mean, he's, he is, you know, he is, he's the definition of a full-grown man. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, but to your point, who's willing to offer the Titans uh, you know, for a 30-year-old running back, again, he had 33 receptions, so okay, so maybe you can unlock a little bit more of the passing game usage. But, like, for a 30-year-old running back who's had at least 380 touches two of the last three years and suffered a major injury in one of those one of the last three seasons, right? So a 30-year-old running, 30-year-old running back that's got that kind of usage that is fairly one-dimensional, how much are you going to give up to acquire that player? Yeah, not much. And then the question is, right, so... If you're like, you're willing to give up something, but you're not going to give up a lot. And then if you're the Titans, like, well, okay, he is at the moment our offensive identity. Are we trading away our offensive identity for a third rounder or whatever it is? Like, you know, like, I don't know. You know, it's a really interesting one. Um, What's clear is, is that Robert Woods is no longer on the team. This is going to be, in terms of the passing game, it's going to be, it's going to be Traylon Burks. It's going to be my, my guy, Chig Aconquo. Um, and it's going to be Ryan Tannehill. It doesn't look like Malik Willis is ready for prime time. Looks like it'll be Ryan Tannehill at least for one more year. Tennessee isn't going to draft early enough to draft yeah. a quarterback this year. They'd have to go so up. They're yeah. going to either have to trade up, and that doesn't feel like that's what that organization line. does. But they do have a new general manager, so we'll see. But the, you know, I mean, that's the other thing, right? So it's a, you know, John Robinson's no longer there. So do they, the new, you know. Um, you know, um, is it Carthon or Kathon? How do I pronounce it? Ran Carthon. Ran Carthon. Yep. Um, uh, so, you know, does Carthon say, like, hey, I'm looking around. You know what? i got to tear this down. I've got some leash here because I've just got hired to, you know, to build something. And I understand, you know, what it takes to build. You know, when they got to San Francisco, him and, that, you know, that whole regime, it took them a little while. Um, so it's really interesting. Yeah. Last, really thing, interesting. last thing on Henry, when watch doesn't show up in the box score with him, is just his gravity. Because he gets faces stacked boxes. You have to yeah. stack the box against him, and it makes their passing game so much better. Tannehill has been amazing off of play action since yep, coming yes. to Tennessee. And if you lose Derrick Henry, you lose that. Henry going will make Tannehill worse. So that is just another thing there in terms of their identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we would see who you know. It, we'll see. You know, is it Hassan Haskins. I don't know yeah. who would be the who would be the guy there. My guess is that if Derrick Henry leaves, the starting running back for the Titans next year is not on their team right yep. now. Tennessee would save $6.3 million on their cap if they traded him. So not massive savings, just a little bit there. One more running back that this one will yeah, be on that's the move. About tra- if you trade him, that's about like we're just tearing it down. We need, yes. to, re- re- we need to re-identify what we'll we are. We'll take a mid-round asset, take the $6 million, start to reset yeah. to a ground floor. The Bucks will release Leonard Fournette. Fournette's quote was, I asked after the season to be released. They respected my wishes, so no bad blood. He turned 28. This offseason, for net aside, is it Rashad White time in Tampa, and, and what yeah, does that look like? I think so. I mean, like, he looked really good last year. Um, you know, he had five different games with 15 or more touches, averaged 13.6 fantasy points per game, really good in the passing game, 50 receptions last year as well. The two games where he got 20 touches, he had over 100 yards from scrimmage. So, um, 
you know, talented player. It's going to get an opportunity. It's going to be a bad team, but volume should be there for Rashad White. They'll bring in some veteran, but feels like this is going to be the Rashad White show. If you're the Buccaneers, you have to go to a youth movement at this point. Yeah, maybe the weirdest team in the league right now. Like Because just the mix of having all this skill position talent in Evans, Goldwyn, yep. White, and then having Kyle Trask as your incumbent quarterback, it's just a bit of a mess. That team is going to look a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if... You do wonder if they're... like So they released Leonard Fournette, which makes sense, and he'll sign somewhere and he'll be, he'll be fantasy relevant. We'll talk about that. But I wonder if they get rid of Godwin or Evans. Like, again, like, again if they're going for a full rebuild... It doesn't make sense. Like you could get, especially when you think about this year, where the free agent market for wide receivers is fairly poor, and the draft class for wide receivers is really yeah. poor. It doesn't have that top dog right, right now. Yeah. So. so I mean, that just like there's going to be some wide receiver needy teams out there, and you're just like, hey, damn, you know, yeah. you well, want a, you want a one or a two for Mike Evans or for Chris Godwin, like. If I'm Tampa Bay, I'm thinking really hard about that. Yeah, particularly because Tampa Bay are not a team that's Jimmy Garoppolo away from contending. Like they, no. they would. I mean, I think the Saints were probably better than the Bucks by the end of last season, just the way those two teams were trending anyway. And now the Saints have Derek Carr, and the Bucks lose Tom Brady. So that team, you would think, would be primed for a rebuild. In Tampa, they've been a team that we've seen Bijan Robinson uh, go to in a lot of mock drafts, and Rashad White's thoughts on that uh, scenario was, I don't have no problem with Bijan. It's a business. We all know that. Tampa Bay has to do what's best for Tampa Bay. My coaches have to do what's best for my coaches. Everybody has a little selfishness in them. You have to. Me, I'm selfless. You can draft Bijan. You can draft whoever. At the end of the day, I'm going to win that job. That's just what I've always done. Yeah. I, uh, I love that quote. Bijan Robinson would be a weird draft pick to me for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like Rebuilding I, with a running back in the first round yeah. is not a sound strategy. The, the Bills make sense to me. The Eagles make sense to yep. me. Like The Bengals, if the Mixon situation just gets yes. totally off the rails, maybe. Yep. Maybe. I could see that as well. Yeah. Exactly. Mixon in the news again. It's just, you know, yeah. So we'll see. And there's a cap hit there that... So, yeah, I think there's a scenario in which Joe Mixon's no longer in the Bagels um, uh, in the future. But, yeah, to me, that's what it feels like. A, a team that could use a, you know, listen, listen. if Saquon leaves, I could see the Giants doing it, right? Sure. You know, like, so. What if Chicago gets 8 million picks from a double trade and they're like, we'll just take a great player for Justin Fields? Yeah, look, I mean, we're heading into our combine buzz, and one of the things that we're not going to get to, but I will tell you, is that I heard that, you know, unless David Montgomery is willing to take a cap-friendly deal, a team-friendly deal, he's, you know, he's likely played his last game as a Chicago Bear. So we'll see how that plays out. But who knows what Montgomery wants. So, yeah, you could certainly see, you know, hey, we need playmakers for Justin Fields, and Robinson would certainly qualify. Okay. I think they need more wide receivers. But, again, yeah, it's a poor do. wide receiver class. So they may say, you know, there's no wide receivers out there. We're just going to we're gonna run the ball. We've got Justin Fields. We've got Khalil Herbert we like. We also get – Kid like Bijan Robinson or another young running back, and we're just gonna yeah. we're gonna play. You know, we're gonna play Bears football, good defense, and run the ball. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Baseball season. It's right around the corner, and uh, you can pick up your Roto World Baseball Draft Guide, Matthew. Get all the best player profiles, sure. rankings, and projections you need to dominate your draft. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com/draftguide and use Pennant25 as your code to save 25% at checkout. And if you're thirsty for even more of Connor's boyish good looks, who put that in the script? You can catch you him on the Roto World Fantasy Baseball Mock Draft Show, debuting this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern 
on youtube.com slash MBC Sports. And Connor, you have the first overall pick, well, and the fans have decided for you. Yeah, have is a, rich, <laughs> is a rich statement. I am in possession of the first overall pick. Okay. I am not making the first overall pick. The fans made the first overall pick for me. They voted for Trey Turner. And what was a pretty even field with the rest of the three, Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna, and the J-Rod Show and Julio Rodriguez. So Was I, McCaffrey not an option? No, no McCaffrey. No Tony Pollard. Tony Whoa. Pollard off the board if you want the dark horse. Right. So try, to get, try to get Mahomes in the second round. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do my best, too. Right. I'm quarterback kind of early. The, he is the McCaffrey pick. He's the safe pick. If he, you want to get a little safe, kind of, but little feisty, a little uh, like just take Justin Jefferson instead, I think that would be Acuna. I think Acuna's got a bit more upside than anyone. Julio Wouldn't Rodriguez, be touching but, uh, Aaron Judge. Uh, all right, think he's no, Trey Turner. But the best part is I didn't have to put really any thought into it. Because <laughs> yeah, it, it was done. It was done. So there you thank, you, thank you to the fans like of you. NBC Sports Edge Baseball. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.